The Triathlon Show 370. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and I hope that you've had a great Christmas, if you celebrate it, of course. Today, we have a different kind of episode. As you have heard in recent weeks, I've been running a That Triathlon Show survey to get feedback on a number of things, from just basic demographics of the audience and their involvement in triathlon or endurance sports, but most importantly, what you guys like about the podcast and where you see room for improvement or suggestions for change going forward. So today, I want to take the opportunity to actually go through the results of this survey and how how I am planning to take action on it. Uh, so this will not be an educational episode per se, but the reason that I still choose to do this kind of episode focusing on the survey and what it means for TTS going forward is that I'm just very grateful for all the feedback that I received and uh, the continued support over almost six years of that triathlon show. And I want to pay that back with as much, as much transparency and openness as possible into my own thought process around the podcast. And I do think that uh, a lot of listeners, not necessarily everybody, are going to find it interesting so yeah that's the reason for this episode but before that big thanks to our sponsors roca roca produce exceptional quality triathlon wetsuits trisuits swimskins goggles performance sunglasses and prescription eyeglasses and sunglasses this is actually the last episode that roca will be sponsoring at least for a while and i want to take the opportunity to say a massive thank you to them for all of their support since way back when in 2018 when they first started sponsoring the podcast not many podcasters are lucky enough to have such long-standing partners uh, as uh, Roka have been for me. So it's just been a great pleasure working with them and I will continue to love and use their products. Uh, you can visit roka.com forward slash TTS for 20% off your order, but do it now because I believe that this uh, offer will go away at the end of the year. And thank you to Senate. Uh, the Senate Indoor Swim Trainer is a unique dryland swim trainer that allows you to improve your technique, power and swim training consistency. It is a perfect tool to complement your pool and open water swimming uh, as it allows you to do very specific power and technique work including working on your catch and your core activation and it makes it easier to stay consistent even when you can't go to the pool you can even use it to do activation work before a pool or open water swim or to do swim bike brick workouts more easily you can try to set it risk-free for up to 30 days uh, so if you don't love it just send it back and you can get a special TTS bundle including the swim bench and a bunch of Senate training plans and on-demand workouts on senatesunter.com for slash TTS. Now without any further ado, let's get into the main topic for today. All right, so let's get started with the main topic. Uh, and uh, to start off, I'll just quickly list all of the questions that I included in the survey first. So if you didn't fill out the survey, then you know uh, what it actually entailed. And then we'll go through each of the questions, some of them very quickly and some in much more detail, of course, depending on the interest level. So uh, questions one, through one, two, and three were age, sex, and country and language, uh, so basic demographic data. Question four, uh, triathlon experience, a level and preferred distance. Maybe I need to actually open my uh, 
the actual survey. Uh, so give me just one second because I just <laughs> basically written down the short forms uh, that I've been using. Uh, so question four, yeah, there is tra- travel and experience level and preferred distance. Question five, do you listen to every or almost every single TTS episode? Question six, do you ever use the show notes of the episodes on scientifictriathlon.com? Question seven, how would you rate that triathlon show on a scale from one to ten? Question eight, what other endurance sports podcasts do you listen to? Nine, what are your top three favorite endurance sports podcasts ranked from one to three? May or may not include that triathlon show. Uh, Question 10. Over the last year and a bit, the podcast has been mainly focused on interviews with coaches, practitioners, and researchers. What are your thoughts on this model? Do you miss some other type of episode? Question uh, 11. Would you like to see that triathlon show as a video podcast on YouTube? Question uh, 12. Would you like to hear episodes previewing and reviewing professional races like uh, WTCS, Super League, Ironman, PTO, etc.? Question 13. Uh, what types of episodes would you most like to hear? Question 14. What types of episodes are you not interested in hearing? 15. What do you think of the level of that triathlon show in terms of the sometimes quite technical discussions and topics? Is this something you enjoy? Is the level appropriate and the content understandable? Or is it off-putting and not relevant for you? Please elaborate. 16. Would you like to hear more of the rest of the scientific triathlon coaches on the podcast? 17. What do you like about that triathlon show? 18. What do you dislike or think could be improved about that triathlon show? 19. How did you first find out about that triathlon show and start listening? 20. Have you ever or are you planning to use any scientific triathlon services or buy any of our products? And 21, what other ideas, feedback or suggestions do you have? So at the moment of recording this episode or, well, writing the the script uh, for the episode, which was yesterday, there may be a few more responses now, but uh, it did have 149 responses. Uh, Some are still trickling in as I'm recording a couple of weeks in advance. I will still go through all of the responses that come in as they do come in. But to put the number of 149 in perspective, the 30-day reach, uh, which means the unique number of listeners that listen to... uh, even just one episode of that triathlon show within the last 30-day window uh, is about 35,000. So that is uh, 0.4 to 0.5% uh, of uh, the the unique listeners within that period have responded to the survey it could be more but uh, but it's still the the responses are very detailed and it's a long survey so almost 150 responses is not bad at all and definitely enough to make some conclusions from in my opinion so there you have uh, yeah the survey questions and the number of responses and uh, now let's go into yeah covering the the results uh, the responses and my analysis of each of them so questions one through three i will tackle them kind of at the same time age sex country and language basic demographic data we had an average age of uh, 44 years with a standard deviation of 12 and a range from 20 to 81 this is very much as expected i would say in line with the triathlon demographics in general happy to see uh, quite a lot of people in the 60 plus age range respond i would love to see some responses in the 15 to 20 age category uh, if i were to redo this survey another time not sure if the lack of responses there is reflective of not having many listeners in this category uh, or if it's just that they are maybe 
less likely to be up for feedback surveys. That could also be the case. Uh, in terms of sex, 12% female responders, 88% male. Obviously, I'd love to get this much, much closer to parity, but it is also a bit of a reflection of triathlon demographics at large, although uh, I think triathlon is not quite as bad as that. I think I've seen numbers of triathlon participants being about 30% female, uh, but I don't remember when and where, so don't know how up-to-date that is or how accurate that is. Uh, I did go and check the participant numbers from the biggest Ironman and Ironman 7.3 races of this year so for example in europe the biggest ironman was ironman frankfurt and the biggest 713 was uh, mallorca these two races had 2600 and 3000 participants respectively and the number of females in those uh, female participants were 11 percent and 17 percent then i checked some north american races and the biggest ones there were 703 oceanside and ironman texas and in both of those races there was about 25 percent females so a bit of a higher percentage and i do believe that if we go to sprint and olympic distance races the numbers could also change compared to long course uh, probably that's just a gut feeling but i think that there could be a larger percentage of females there and didn't look that up though uh, because it was just very quick and easy to do it on obstry.com big shout out to that site to check the, these kinds of stats for the Ironman races. Um, but I think that with, in addition to the triathlon demographics uh, being reflected, uh, I think that with that triathlon show, we also have the fact that it's uh, significantly more technical than the average triathlon podcast. And that will inevitably at attract listeners that are interested in science. And uh, there is a, a big gender gap in Let's say if we look at, for example, the STEM subjects, so science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, uh, there is uh, a big gender gap there as well, like depending on where you take your numbers from. And if you look at actual degrees or if you look at jobs, these vary, but it could be, again, something like 25%, 20 to 30% females. Um, and, and when you overlap that gap, gender gap in uh, STEM to the gender gap in triathlon, uh, I think that that goes a long way to explaining the the disparity, even though that uh, obviously doesn't mean that it shouldn't be changed and improved. So, yeah, I guess special shout out to to everybody who knows, who has fellow, uh, has friends or family, uh, female triathletes. Uh, let them know about the podcast and uh, and uh, yeah, tell them to try uh, to to give it a listen if they if they aren't already listeners. Uh, next country and language the top five countries uh, for uh, these for the survey responders i should say this is not downloads but actually people responding to the survey were the us uk canada australia and germany uh, germany and ireland in joint fifth place so big shout out to ireland that punch above their weight here in terms of the listener to population ratio or responder to population ratio uh, and uh, yeah at least in the top four uh that that definitely reflects the the download numbers as well. These are the the top four in terms of downloads in that order. When looking at uh, breaking it down into continents, fifty five percent of listeners are from Europe, thirty percent from the US and Canada, eight percent from Oceania, four percent from the rest of the Americas, and three uh, percent from Asia. And and I think that again, this is very much reflective of what I see in the podcast download stats, and uh, even in even in social media mentions and and so on, uh, you kind of get the feeling that TTS is well known and established in Europe and the US and Canada. But I think a lot of people, even in, for example, Australia and New Zealand, 
don't actually know about that triathlon show uh even though these are big triathlon nations with lots of podcast listeners in general but not necessarily a lot of people in uh, australia and new zealand comparatively have yet discovered uh, that triathlon show the same could be said for countries like brazil and mexico which are also big triathlon countries um so but yeah there's a small number of uh responders from latin america and and asia um of course latin america and asia they do have a lot fewer triathletes relative to europe north america and and even oceania despite the population differences uh, but the interest in these regions uh, is increasing so if you're from especially these emerging triathlon regions then uh Try to get friends and family involved in triathlon to grow the sport in general. That's the most important. But also, if you can, uh, introduce all the people you know that are interested in endurance sports to TTS to help spread the word about the podcast. It's something I will probably repeat saying uh, several times throughout this episode, but it really helps a lot. Um, that second request about spreading the word is is also, I would say, specifically to Australian and New Zealand listeners, because uh, I know that these are countries where there are a lot more potential podcast listeners that probably just don't know about the podcast. So trying to spread the word for, for you guys in your countries, that would be a massive help. Uh, one thing to note about this data that might be interesting for you to know is the fact that the US is by some margin the country where the podcast is listened to the most. And this is uh, the same when, when looking at the actual download data of, uh, of the podcast. And I do know that uh, some American listeners uh, perceive the podcast as being very much a European podcast. And of course, um, I'm European. I'm based in uh, Portugal. I'm from Finland. Uh, and when, when you do add up all the 44 countries within Europe, but these are 44 <laughs> distinct countries, then yes, the European listeners are in the majority. But as a single country, the US is by far the most, uh, uh, where the, the podcast is the most popular. So, so it is, yeah, it has a strong anchoring, I would say, in the US as well. Question four was uh, about triathlon experience, so years of experience in the sport. Level, and here uh, it's uh, beginner, intermediate, and advanced is how I categorized it. And preferred distance, uh, and many people chose several different distances, which is absolutely fine. So sprint, Olympic, half, and full distance mainly. And uh, here I should note first a big thank you to all the non-triathletes, so cyclists, runners, and others that took the survey. Many of you wrote that in this question as you rightly said that you have zero years of experience in triathlon but you might have 30 years of experience in cycling uh, so for the purpose of this analysis i excluded all the non-triathlon responses from the from the experience question i did include them if you said that you were an advanced cyclist i included that because that still reflects kind of what the question is getting at um, but of course with the preferred distance that was also uh, only from the triathlon responders of this particular question so the results were that the average years of experience in triathlon were 9.8, but with a standard deviation of 8.1, so a huge standard deviation. Of uh, the people that categorized themselves as beginner, intermediate, and advanced, some of them, some responders here didn't really make a categorization, and I didn't really, in some cases I made inferences based on other comments, but uh, in most cases I did not, unless I was very confident. So 11% were beginners, 53% intermediate, and 36% advanced. Uh, and I mean, it is as expected, there is a skew towards the intermediate advanced end of the spectrum, but there are people from all uh, all ends of the spectrum, which 
which is important to note and remember. Uh, a quick tip here and shout out to the beginners listening to the podcast. Uh, I know that I don't do much content geared very specifically for beginners, especially in the last year or so, but I did do a beginner tip series a couple of years ago. There was, I believe, 36 or 38 short episodes, so 10 to 20 minutes usually, specifically geared to beginners, kind of from the ground up, the triathlon 101. And in all honesty, uh, that number of episodes is probably already a little bit too high for what you really need to learn and know as a beginner. Uh, but the point I wanted to make here is that if you uh, ever want to hear content very specifically geared towards beginners, then go and check out that series. You can find it directly in the menu bar on scientifictriathlon.com under podcast. Or if you go way back in the archives in your podcast app of choice. But it's there. It's evergreen content. I don't necessarily feel the need to keep regurgitating old content or produce more beginner content because there is only so much you need to know and then once you know that then it's just about doing it and and gradually gaining more experience and and getting faster basically and suddenly you're intermediate athlete um, if you want to like put it into uh, gross categories like that but basically what i'm saying is that the beginner tip series still holds up and i don't want to be just repeating myself by by repeating these kinds of episodes um if if i get to a point where i think that the content doesn't hold up or there are new topics that really need to be covered then yes i will produce new content but uh but i would go to um yeah go to the beginner tip series and give it a listen from start to finish if i if i were you because i think that that's really a goldmine for all beginners um yeah so so i think that that's it uh basically i don't want to regurgitate myself and or repeat myself and uh and i don't want to do beginner episodes that cover topics that i don't actually think are relevant for beginners if that makes sense so there's only a finite number of topics that that are important for beginners um okay so that was a bit of a sidebar but uh that's that question covered i believe so question number five is do you listen to every or almost every single uh tts episode 75 percent of responders said yes which is a great number and I think at this point, uh, I should mention that when running a survey like this, the way I've done it, the way I've promoted it, there is going to be a big selection bias in that the responders are more likely to be the really big supporters of the podcast than the ones that think uh, it's okay and they listen from time to time, but they're not uh, like really, really into it. So I am obviously very, very much aware of that. And uh, my interpretation is done accordingly. But this question is one that, that would definitely be influenced by this selection bias. Uh, and, and if we were to actually ask, let's say, all the 35,000 people of the unique 30-day reach, uh, then it would probably be significantly less than, than 75%. But still, uh, I, I think that even so, 75% for a survey like this is really good. And it does indicate that there is uh, a consistent quality and a consistent level of interest in the different topics and guests uh, that makes um, a significant number of people tune in every week. Question number six is, do you ever use the show notes of the episodes on scientifictriathlon.com? And here, 85% said yes. And uh, this was one of the biggest surprises, if not the biggest surprise to me in the entire survey. I would have thought, honestly, that if 30 to 40% use them every now and then, that's already well worth the cost of creating the show notes, because this is something that I outsource. I simply don't have the time to do it myself, uh, just like the audio editing of the podcast is also outsourced. Uh, but to have 85% of responders go to the show notes, even if it's not everybody goes to every single episode, 
uh, but many of these respon- responses indicated that they checked the show notes very frequently, if not every single episode. That's that's amazing. It was mind-blowing to me. So this was something that confirmed that the show notes are definitely here to stay if there ever was any doubt uh, about that. Question seven is how would you rate that triathlon show on a scale from one to ten? Again, uh, acknowledging the impact of the sample selection bias here, but um, the average rating was 9.0 with an average of 1.0. Questions eight to nine, I'm going to uh, bunch these together. What other endurance sports podcasts do you listen to? What are your top three favorite endurance sports podcasts uh, ranked from one to three? Uh, yeah so those are the two different questions questions um, eight and nine and in the ranking the top three your top three favorites uh i added in parenthesis this may or may not include that triathlon show uh so obviously i yeah people could include that triathlon show but they didn't have to and uh, these ones these questions were very interesting when i added up all of the different podcasts that you guys listen to as other endurance sports podcasts there were over 100 different podcasts so <laughs> that's that's a crazy number i didn't know that that many podcasts existed i learned about a lot of new ones that i'd never heard about so that's cool and some of them i will uh check out uh the top five most listened uh, i think could be interesting for you to to hear uh other than that triathlon show they were fast talk how they train empirical cycling that triathlon life and trainer road and then as for the ratings uh, or the ranking of the top three, your top three favorite podcasts, what I did basically was to give each podcast three points for every first place, two points for every second place, and one point for every third place. And then we got a top five in terms of points of that triathlon show, how they train, fast talk, trainer road, and that triathlon life. So similar but not the same as the top five most listened to. And I think these questions are interesting as they do give a broader picture of the type of content that uh, TTS listeners like. Although that in itself is obviously not a reason to to change anything, especially considering in this sample, with all of the caveats that I've already mentioned, it was quite a landslide first place for TTS in terms of the point rankings. But it, it's still interesting to think about uh, and uh, think about things like what are the, the things that other top podcasts do really, really well and consider whether that can be implemented in uh, that triathlon show to, to some to some extent. So so it's it's they, these are two informative questions, I find. Uh, question 10 uh, was over the last year and a bit, the podcast has been mainly focused on interviews with interviews with coaches, practitioners and researchers. What are your thoughts on this model? Do you miss some other type of episode? So this is the first question that really goes into specifics relating to what is good and what can be improved with that triathlon show. And um, 62% of responses were overwhelmingly positive in some facet these are open-ended questions so like written responses but an example uh, of a response would be for this type of content is what makes tts stand out so that's a real response just an example just to exemplify i got a lot of responses similar to that in the in the same vein 38 percent, however some kind of mixed response so another real example is uh, it's good no actually this is not a real example because i didn't find a like really uh, succinct and to the point real response so this one i made up but something to the point to the um to the tune of it's good but i would also like this or that type of episode was something that came up in 38 percent of responses 
Many of these responses mentioned missing the Q&A episodes that I used to do, and others requested uh, different types of episodes, uh, including interviews with different types of guests or uh, other types of episodes entirely, like doing more solo shows, doing roundtable interviews with mul multiple guests, interviewing pro athletes, interviewing age group athletes, athlete case studies, and similar. Uh, and we have more questions on these different episode types later, so we'll get into a bit more detail on that soon. But anyway, for this question, I was quite happy that so many were really firmly of the opinion that the current concept is really great, almost perfect. So that was the opinion of 62% essentially, uh, when even I was having some doubts about the concept. And that's not to say that, oh, now I won't do any changes or try to make any improvements. But it does make me happy that uh, the majority of responders seem to have been really happy with uh, with the type of content that I have produced over the last year or so. Um, as I thought, uh, honestly, that it might be a bit more mixed than this. So a larger majority of, let's call them mixed responses. One response that I think summarized my own thoughts and feelings after going through all of these responses systematically was uh, this one. So again, this is a real response which said, uh, quote, I have liked this model, but I don't think more variety would be a negative. Uh, so there are definitely some responses that would actually like less variety or definitely don't want more variety. Like basically, there are some responses that said that they would like me to only interview researchers or only interview coaches. But the majority seem to think that uh, these interviews are great, but the occasional Q&A episode or solo episode or what have you would also be a welcome addition. So I would say that's the summary of this question. Question 11, would you like to see that triathlon show as a video podcast on YouTube? Here, 55% said no, 25% said yes, and 20% said something else, which uh, most often was something along the lines of, "I'm." Uh, and this is an example, not, not a real response, but uh, something I made up, but that represents what a lot of these responses said. I'm indifferent, maybe for episodes that would benefit more from visual representation, but I don't want to see just two talking heads. And uh, here the reality is that starting to add in charts or slides or so on would add hours and hours of work to each episode, which is time that I don't have. Uh, the only thing that would be feasible within my time limits are talking heads style videos, because that wouldn't be too much extra work. But I think that it was pretty clear that for the majority of listeners, that's not something that will add value to the podcast. Uh, so I will simply won't do it for now. Of course, for TTS, there could be added value in reaching a larger audience on YouTube, even even if I by just simply putting up these podcasts as talking head videos. But but the podcast is already on YouTube. But instead of talking heads, it's just a static logo. Uh, so so it is there. Some people do listen on YouTube. Uh, not that many people do, but some do. Um, I don't I don't know how many more people would find the podcast on YouTube by not doing something more substantial than than just uploading the the talking heads of, of an interview let's say so uh, so i'd rather double down on making the podcast even better as as a podcast so hopefully it continues to grow organically just through reputation and word of mouth and and all the other mechanisms so yeah this um because i, I was unsure about this i thought that maybe there would be more of an interest in in youtube but 
um, yeah, I'm quite happy to to get a quite a clear response on this one, and uh, and it definitely makes it quite easy to make a decision to not not focus on YouTube. Um, number twelve, would you like to hear episodes previewing slash reviewing professional races like uh, World Triathlon Championship Series, Super League, Ironman, PTO, etc. Here. 57% said no, 28% said yes, and 15% said uh, something else. And something else here was often something like, if I can add something that is not available on other podcasts, or another thing that came up repeatedly was only for big races, or a third alternative was a yes, but not as a replacement to current episodes. When I put this question in the survey, I actually did it with the perspective that, yes, I can add something to these types of episodes that isn't available, at least not to the same same extent, on other uh, preview podcasts. So the primary one, I think, is to being able to analyze things from a coaching perspective, uh, going in detail and in depth uh, from from the coaching perspective. That would be the main, uh, a main one. But I, I just think just the depth of knowledge, both across all different distances, like having really intimate knowledge of uh, everything from Super League to Ironman and following uh, the professional racing intimately in all of those disciplines, everything in between, and uh, following these athletes and having really great knowledge about these athletes, uh, not just the very top athletes, not just the well-known ones with big social media followings or the ones from English-speaking countries, but but globally knowing who the athletes are and yeah, being able to, in that way, commentate more in-depth, I think, on, on all these races. And I analyze almost all races anyway. Uh, I really enjoy staying up to date with all races and athletes and they are also competitors to some athletes i coach so it's part of my my coaching job anyway however uh, this question as well as other questions like uh question 10 and others that we'll get to later do make it clear to me that this is not the type of content that the majority of listeners want from tts most of you want the educational content which may take different forms but not race reviews and previews no matter matter how good i think i can make them how much better i think i can make them than than what exists and that alone i think is a good reason for me to to scrap this idea uh the second one equally important if not more important is that there is a conflict of interest between reporting on races and coaching athletes in those races. Uh, I'm I'm not sure that it's uh, in my best interest or in the athlete's best interest that I do that. And uh, yeah, I don't feel I can be unbiased doing that, uh, especially as my goal is to uh, have a lot more athletes race at, at the pro level in one to two years from now. Uh, I just don't want to be in a position where reporting on those races in any way uh, influences myself in my most important job uh, which is to be a coach or in, even influences the way ways that my athletes train or execute their races or or even like uh, to be frank influences whether whether an athlete would reach, reach out to me to be coached by me or something like that so so yeah i think this idea is uh, is fully scrapped um except for I wouldn't completely rule out doing something for standalone big races like the Olympics or the Ironman World Championships as long as I don't have any single athlete in, in those races. So yeah, but apart from that, uh, I scrapped this idea based on based on that, the responses, but also some further analysis from my from my own side. 
And uh, questions 13 to 14, I will bunch together again. These were what types of episodes would you most like to hear and uh, what types of episodes are you not interested in hearing? So both of these had a multiple choice list, so you could choose as many as you wanted uh, with 13 different categories of episodes, plus uh, also giving the opportunity to answer um, other and then actually type in what the other suggestions that you had were but the uh, the predefined categories were interviews with coaches interviews with scientists and researchers interviews discussion and coaching roundtables with the scientific triathlon coaches interviews with authors of endurance sports books interviews with industry people for example from businesses creating products for endurance athletes interviews with professional athletes previews and reviews of pro races interviews with age group athletes solo episodes uh, quote-unquote guide style to specific topics beginner episodes case studies of scientific triathlon athletes episodes about gear and equipment and q and a episodes so that's 13 categories and what i've done here is to add up all of the votes for each topic both in the episodes you do like to hear and that you don't want to hear and then subtract the don't want to hear votes from the do want to hear. So to give you an, an example, 125 responders when I did this analysis voted that the interviews with coaches is one, one of the types of episodes that they most want to hear. And four voted that this type of episode is among the episodes that they are not interested in hearing. So then we take 125 minus four uh, equals 121 points for interviews with coaches. And with this methodology, uh, we can then assign points to each of the 13 categories. And uh, basically the way it looks, maybe I'll have the figure in the show notes, we'll see, uh, is that there were kind of a top five category that were between 83 to 121 points. And they all had a really high number of of most wanted and a really low number of uh, not interested responses these five episodes were or five categories sorry were interviews with coaches interviews with scientists and researchers interviews with authors of endurance sports books solo episodes quote-unquote guide style to specific topics interviews discussions or coaching roundtables with the scientific triathlon coaches and they were in that order from one to five then there was um, the middle category of episodes that had uh, decent points, but also a bit more mixed responses, a few, especially a few more athletes that were, or responders that were not as interested in hearing them. Uh, so they might still have a good number of pro votes, but also a bit higher numbers of against votes. So they had points between 72 to 48, and they were case studies of scientific triathlon athletes, Q&A episodes, and interviews with professional athletes. And then we had a bottom five, which had uh, uh, either negative points or just very slightly positive points. And uh, so from plus 14 to minus 48. And these were episodes about gear and equipment, interviews with age group athletes, interview with, interviews with industry people, and previews and reviews of pro races and beginner episodes. So um, there you have those three different segments. And, uh, and of course, this is very much very informative, very useful information. Of course, this means that I'm with, that was always the plan anyway, uh, because that's my desire anyway, to interview uh, coaches, interview scientists, uh, and, and those are clearly the most desired episodes from the responders here. And uh, that's, as was said in other questions, also what sets that triathlon show apart. Um, so, so yeah, there's no reason to stop doing them uh of of course of course i'm going to keep doing them and and do a lot of them they will probably still be the large majority of episodes 
But I also think that the solo episodes on specific topics is something that I will do more of because I want this podcast to really help athletes and even coaches train better and coach better. There's no one right way, but I think when you hear all of these interviews with coaches and with scientists, inevitably there are contradictions between some of them. And and a lot of times this is related to the context uh, that each person is working in. So for example, pro versus age group athletes. Uh, But sometimes it can be just very different philosophies. And that's not to say sometimes... uh, uh, sometimes there is there are differences in let's say how successful a coach is with their athletes versus another but sometimes it might just be that different philosophies can work equally well um, so basically i think and many comments support this that it would be interesting for the listeners to sometimes hear more about my personal opinions on various topics to get a, get an idea of what i find works well in the context that i work in but also some thoughts on how it might apply differently to others and and why and uh, so that would obviously be uh, a large part of it would be rooted in my my own experience as a coach but it would also i would also be able maybe to comment on uh, on basically why i do things differently than a certain comment or a certain strategy that you've hear, heard on a lot of other episodes so um so yeah i think that those solo episodes would be would be really good uh interesting to make to create i would probably enjoy that and i think it would be a lot of listeners would enjoy them too in terms of the the authors category i think that there are definitely potential great episodes to be had here uh but it comes down to who the person is and what their credentials are because writing a book doesn't make you an expert so so it's really important to apply a bullshit filter here uh but to be fair this applies uh, to all categories and not just uh this category uh so it's obviously something that i try to do regardless of if it's a coach a scientist an author or whatever it is uh, but with books i think sometimes people get a little bit of an elevated perception of expertise just because somebody wrote a book and and that's not the way that i see it um i do think that the authors that i have interviewed at least in the recent past have a high level of credibility through work in coaching or academia or similar so although the topic of an interview might be the same as a newly published book the reason that i would interview the author is not the book itself but the expertise of the person so and if i don't see that uh, they have that expertise or credibility i wouldn't interview them no matter how popular the book is so yeah that's those are some thoughts on that i just basically i think that that's a category where you have to have a strong bullshit filter when it comes to books because every, every anybody can publish can publish something um a, a book i mean and uh i also think the other popular categories here the the in the highest most popular category was uh having more episodes with the other scientific triathlon coaches and and i think that we will definitely try to do that the reason that we haven't had a lot of them uh recently or in the last year at all is simply that i talk with them all the time anyway so i just haven't gotten around to doing it on the podcast um we have a later question on this particular uh type of episode so i'll give a couple more thoughts then but i i do think that yeah this is something we'll try to do more of as well then when we get to the middle category of episodes so the let's call it the yellow category we have the green the yellow and the red case studies with scientific triathlon athletes this one i'll be completely honest i didn't really think it through before completely before putting it in the list of options even though it seems fairly interesting to many listeners i think these types of case studies could potentially uh, influence decision making potentially negatively influence decision making both on part of the coach and the athlete so i'm not sure i considered them something that i would realistically do even no matter how how popular they would be how much people would want to hear them 
that said uh for athletes that are interested in in our coaching we can always connect you with our athletes so you can have a private reference call if needed uh i know that's probably not the reason that most people were interested in this type of episodes in the first place uh but for some maybe it was uh, an important reason so so in that case maybe maybe that might might help you out but anyway yeah i don't um again i don't want to compromise the quality of coaching uh so and i and i think that that's where uh, and and getting the most out of of yourself as an athlete if i'm coaching an athlete or if one of our other coaches is coaching an athlete so so i think that um these types of case studies maybe maybe would not work in the favor of achieving the best possible results for the athlete and and that's why i'm probably not going to do these types of episodes q a episodes um seemed very uh very popular in one of the earlier questions um but it was actually only moderately popular here in the yellow zone when asking specifically about episode types um i do think there's room to do one every once in a while uh i do want to make sure that if and when i do q a episodes that the questions that i answer are not too uh let's call them specific or uh, esoteric and i think that's one of the reasons that i ended up stopping doing the q and a q a episodes when i did because um i i didn't feel like i get the type of questions that would really be useful for uh, a lot of listeners but maybe doing one every couple of months or uh, or something could be a good sweet spot and during that time i would have time to get some really good questions uh that would be interesting for a lot of uh of listeners to hear about so i think there is a room for them uh with some some kind of frequency and uh, the final one in the yellow zone here was the interviews with professional athletes. Uh, and I think this is something that I'd be curious to experiment with a bit more. Not do it every week or every other week, but do some of these. But the way I would like to do it is trying to make sure beforehand that the athlete is able to be really specific and really open with the information that they share to make these episodes as useful as possible. So so I think there is uh, an opportunity there maybe. And, uh, and I will see and maybe give that a try then in terms of the bottom group of five the the red zone so again that was episodes about gear and equipment interviews with age group athletes interviews with industry people previews and reviews of pro races and beginner episodes um this is a category of episodes that i will stay clear of at least for the most part uh, i will say though uh that in terms of industry people there are some cases where i will interview them but for very specific purposes and for example quite recently i interviewed uh, andrew sellers uh, which actually in various responses in this survey a lot of people mentioned as a fantastic episode and the download numbers kind of backs that up uh, i found I thought so myself i'm still talking with andrew regularly now months after doing the interview uh he is the co-founder of two businesses uh, selling products, selling the VO2 Master and a Breathe Way Better device. Uh, but the reason I interviewed him was uh, that A, he has a lot of really good knowledge and a quite a unique approach to testing and applying it in practice with his uh, coaching background. And B, a lot of expertise in respiratory testing and training that I simply couldn't find really anyone else that had at that same level as him. That's not to say that they don't exist, but you have to find them. And that's, that's not always easy. So, so basically, uh, what I'm saying is that the, the interview itself, we did mention via two master and brief way better, 
but it wasn't an infomercial about them there were a lot of topics in there and and based on all the feedback and the download numbers this was a very well received episode uh, another example is uh, andy blow from precision fuel and hydration uh, i have him on every once in a while because he's somebody that is so in the know of nutrition and hydration he's really in the trenches super practical working with athletes uh being at events and and i think he he manages to stay very objective despite his obvious uh bias uh being the founder of precision fuel and hydration but he's my go-to guy when it comes to these topics the one that i turn to when when i have questions even outside of the podcast so so i think in some topics there is a benefit to bringing in the right people from the industry to talk to talk about these topics but i fully get that nobody wants to hear an infomercial and that's obviously something that i don't want to produce either and and i want to mention that nobody in the history of that triathlon show has ever paid uh to for an appearance of the podcast some have offered to pay <laughs> i haven't accepted it uh or i haven't accepted them as guests nor nor the payment obviously uh i have the sponsorships and, and they are fully disclosed as the, as sponsorships at the beginning and end of each episode and that's it and then the content is fully down to my editorial decisions basically and uh, I think one one other conclusion on these episode categories is that uh, one miss from this list that I didn't actually include was a category for interviews with practitioners, uh, by which I mean, for example, nutritionists, physiotherapists, bike fitters, etc. Uh, many of you pointed this out by adding these types of interviews as others. And of course, I will absolutely continue to interview practitioners. I think we've had a, a decent amount of these uh, over the last year, and I always find them really good usually quite practical with with good takeaways so so definitely we'll continue doing those i also got a bunch of additional suggestions for episode categories or even one-off topics in the other suggestions so i thank you all for those and i have them noted down in a list that i will refer back to and some of these i will definitely do one that is worth mentioning is uh, the type of episodes that I've done a couple of where I interview several people on a very specific topic uh, to learn about the range of uh, of differences and nuances that exist on a topic. For example, the episode we did around fueling, workout fueling, and one we did on uh, Kona preparation uh, was the other one, I believe. Another is uh, some very specific age group uh, related content, so so topics related to training for age groupers, that sort of thing. So I think the conclusion here is to keep doing a lot of interviews with coaches and researchers, but also mix in a bit more variety. For example, solo episodes, keep doing the practitioners as well, some Q&As, including the other scientific triathlon coaches a bit more, and uh, maybe experiment with some interviews with pro athletes. And this all sounds good and fun to me. And I think for the majority of listeners, this will be a, a good change with things mostly staying the same, but, but a bit more variety added. That was a long one, uh, but we're getting towards the end here. Uh, three quarters of the questions answered or covered. Uh, question 15 is, what do you think of the level of that travel show in terms of the sometimes quite technical discussions and topics? Is this something you enjoy? Is the level appropriate and the content understandable? Or is it off-putting and not relevant for you? Please elaborate. So the response to this question was slightly surprising as 83% of responders said that the level was good. I had a feeling that uh, that this year especially there have been a number of really technical scientific episodes and that more people would have a bit more of a mixed response saying that maybe some episodes are a bit too technical. Uh, to be fair, within that 83%, several people said that, well, I don't always understand everything, but that's fine. So if somebody said that, then... 
I included them in the 83% because they specifically said that uh, it's it's not a problem. They don't want me to change the level even if they don't necessarily always understand everything. Um, so I think basically that the message is very clearly received on my part that there's no need to avoid technical topics. Um, and I got very, very clearly, many people were very, uh, very specific and uh, adamant on the fact that for love of God, please don't start dumbing down things. And and I appreciate that, and I I won't do that. I think one distinction that I that I would make here in this question is that something can be technical but still have a big potential for practical application and relevance, or something can be technical and be far removed from practical application. So when I maybe aired some of my frustrations over the podcast a few episodes ago, it had to do with the latter, a feeling of doing too many episodes of purely academic interest with little or no practical relevance. And it had nothing to do with uh, the technicality of the issues because personally, I mean, I really don't... The, the interviews I've done, I haven't struggled with the technicality of them. There are definitely topics that could go way over my head, but uh, the ones that I've done have not been of that category. So so that's not something that is uh, an issue for me. But, but what is an issue sometimes is that I get away from an episode and I learn something, but I've learned something and I find that it's purely academic and, and it's not really practical. And, and that is something that has been a frustration for me. And this is something that... Uh, specific responses to this particular question but also to other questions uh, indicated as well that you listeners want me to go or want us uh, in an interview to go deep into the details of a topic but also there is an acknowledgement that not all episodes are equally relevant or equally interesting one uh, specific uh, and actual response that exemplifies this is the following which said quote it's okay. It's simply that the research discussions are sometimes just too far removed from practical application. I simply find less find it less in interesting to discuss about the results of a six-week study or some meta-analysis. If I don't listen to one of the episodes, it's always this type, not because it's too difficult, but just less interesting. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that was an example. And I do want to emphasize that it's not my opinion that all or even the majority of more scientific injuries fall in this category. Uh, I can't put a number on it, but but there is some of them do fall in the category where I think it's they are too far removed from practical application, and some of them are starting points for experimenting in your practical application. So, so so the key takeaway for me is keep the the level in depth and keep it detailed. Keep including a good amount of scientific content, but just be a little bit more selective with those scientific topics. In that there should be a way to connect those topics to practical application. And and I think I can function really well as a filter here. In that if I come away from an interview with no clue what the relevant what relevance this has in my coaching, then it's not a relevant episode for the listeners either. So so I think that that's that's going to be a good filter for me. But yeah, selecting the the topic right in the first place is probably probably the most important takeaway message here. Technical content is fine as long as it's also relevant and has a connection to real life application. Question 16, would you like to hear more of the rest of the scientific triathlon coaches on the podcast? Here, 66% said yes, 25% said no, and 10% were indifferent. 
uh, I think a few people actually misunderstood this question to mean that I would go on holiday and leave the podcast in the hands of another scientific triathlon coach. But that's uh, not what I meant. I meant as occasional co-hosts or interviewees or roundtables. A few people commented that the previous roundtable episodes we did were a bit boring as we agreed with each other too much. And I think that's a very, very fair criticism. Uh, We do have a lot of similarities in our coaching, of course, but I think uh, it's more interesting when doing these types of episodes to focus uh, equally, if not more, on the differences rather than the similarities. And uh, yeah, I do think if doing another round of roundtables, then that's something that we would definitely want to improve not be so extremely agreeable with each other i 100 agree with that from from my perspective one added value of bringing the rest of the team on more is that this would be a way to discuss more questions specific to age group training and age group racing with coaches that i know are great at what they do because as you know when i interview coaches uh, it's mostly coaches that focus uh, a lot of their coaching at least on the pro level simply because it's so much easier for me to research and vet these coaches vet the quality of these coaches both directly doing research myself i mean but also by asking other coaches that that i know and trust uh, for recommendations or what they think uh, who are coaches i should interview when it comes to age group coaching this is a lot more difficult Uh, it's basically impossible for me to do any research on my own the only thing i can rely on is recommendations from people i trust Uh, but the scientific triathlon coaches are really really great obviously these are people that I've picked in the first place and vetted uh, from the start. And I have a, tr- a track record of their work that goes years back. So for topics around age group coaching, they are the people that I trust. They are the people I go to and have, when I have questions and, and ask for advice. That's why I think that, that these kinds of topics would be great to, to do together with them, especially as a counterbalance to maybe doing solo episodes where I talk uh, nonstop for an hour, which I'm noticing now, having not done it for a while, that it's actually also very difficult. Like I keep having to pause and drink water and, and, and all that sort of thing. So uh, anyway, my hope is that we can do more of these. Uh, to be honest, I haven't discussed it yet with uh, with the other coaches, but uh, and of course we are all very busy. So that's one of the things that stands in the way, but I do hope that we can make a few of these episodes over the next year for sure. Uh, questions 17 to 18 were, what do you like about that triathlon show and what do you dislike or think could be improved about that triathlon show? So for both of these questions, I've set up categories that are recurring themes in the responses. So again, the responses are open-ended paragraphs that you can write as long or as short as you want. And I've uh, categorized these responses and parsed these responses so that I can tick a box or add a point into each category it falls into. Uh, For example, one response uh, to the what do you like about that triathlon show question was, quote, the content and the presentation of the content. I also find the show notes invaluable, end quote. So this would add one point into each of the categories, quality of content slash professionalism uh, to delivery slash presentation and three show notes uh, so there are some categories that are somewhat mixed uh, as you noted there with the slashes because otherwise i would have ended up with many tens of categories and it wouldn't have been useful for analysis so i had to make a yeah make a trade-off there but with this type of analysis for the things that the listeners like the most about that triathlon show the top six categories each got more than 25 votes and they were in the following order from most voted one, the science aspect. Two, the range of topics slash variety slash episode archive. Three, the level of detail. Four, educational. Five, uh, 
interview style. Oh, I need to reread that. I couldn't read it properly. Five interview style questions and preparation. Six quality of content slash professionalism. Those were the categories. So coming back to the point I made earlier about wanting to increase the practical application and real world relevance, the category practical application slash relevance was in ninth place with 21 votes but in comparison to the first place category science aspect which got 43 votes uh, it's far behind obviously so my goal would be that if i do this survey again next year i would like practical application to be fairly close uh, to the uh, to the number of votes as science because i think that that is I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you get faster in the end. Um, so, yeah, I definitely don't want it to be at half the number of votes, even if it's not at the same number of votes. In terms of dislikes or could be improved suggestions, by far the number one category was people saying nothing, and that was 51 votes. Uh, so that's obviously very nice to hear that so many people think there's nothing to be improved. Um Beyond that, no single category had more than nine votes. So there were a lot fewer uh, clear dislikes than clear likes. And uh, not not much that a big proportion of the responders agreed on. Uh, so th- basically, there were a lot of small categories. Nevertheless, the top six categories, other than nothing, were one, guests. And many of these were about the guest audio or the accents. Two, relevance three sponsors, four technicality slash difficulty level, five too long, and six audio. So to comment on these, the guests, and in particular here when a lot of these were about the audio quality and the language, uh, for the audio part, I do give very clear instructions to all guests to help maximize the audio quality. Not everybody follows them. That's that's the way it is. I'll Definitely give it a think, see if there's something else I can do, any other safeguards I can put in place. But to be honest, sometimes it's just uh, a case of the guest graciously agrees to spend time doing the interview. I can't put too many demands if I want to interview them. The same goes even with time. Sometimes they have to go. I I can't say, hey, I want to interview you for another hour. Like that's that's, that's just the reality. Accent is something that, uh, well, I have an, an obvious bias as a non-English speaker myself, but uh, I've never had a problem with the accent of any of my guests. Uh, as long as they can communicate the topic, I don't really care what their accent is. Uh, and I do think one of the strengths of this podcast, and many of you agreed that it looks beyond just the English-speaking countries, whether we're talking about coaches or practitioners or scientists. Um, so, of course, if the guest doesn't actually manage to communicate their topic well, then it's an issue. But to be honest, that's happened several times with English speakers as well. So I haven't found this to be related to to language necessarily, even if you could think that, okay, if you have a weaker grasp of the language, then um, obviously there's there, you, could, you would think that there's a bigger chance that you can't quite communicate your knowledge as easily. And, and I agree that that would be the case, but but I think that uh, the, from from the interviews, I I haven't seen this correlation because I think that the the non English speakers have had a good enough grasp of English that it hasn't been an issue, even if they have a strong accent sometimes. Um, I just don't find the accent to be too big a deal. Um, the relevance part, uh, as I said, I'm definitely going to be working hard on improving sponsors uh, most people that uh, mention sponsors here as a dislike said that they understand the need for sponsors uh, so so i appreciate that uh, understanding uh, i get that it can be a bit of annoyance but it's just 
uh, something that is absolutely necessary uh, and and it's just how how it's going to be so use that skip button if you don't want to hear it that's that's the best advice that I can give uh, the technicality or difficulty level uh, I think that there are some things that I can do here in the technical episodes better defining the terms and give a bit more background info at the start of the episode I do try to chime in and explain terms explain things when I feel things get a bit too difficult sometimes in an interview uh, and uh, and a lot of people commented on that and said that that's that's good. Uh, as discussed before, I'm definitely not going to dumb things down, but I think with being a bit more specific about topic selection when it comes to research-based episodes in particular, it would probably be a case of the most um, yeah out there topics that are the, the most the ones that are the most re- removed from practicality are probably going to go away and these are likely the most difficult to understand anyway even though it might not be because they are more technical in and of themselves they are just on topics that are much less tangible if that makes sense so i think that this will be improved again as part of working on the relevance aspect and the practical applicability and and there are some things that i will try to to work on improving in those episodes that are uh, technical as for the podcast being too long, uh, I also got a lot of people saying that it's good that I don't shorten episodes, that I let them be as long as as they are. So there were definitely a lot of conflicting opinions here. My opinion is that the podcast is as long as it needs to be. I never have a specific duration in mind for an episode, uh, even though we usually usually we reserve 1.5 hours in our calendars, and that's what I tell my guests to reserve. Uh, if we get to one and a half hours, we're still talking, and, and the guests don't indicate that they need to leave. I'm very happy to go beyond that as you have seen in some episodes um but it has it has happened as well that we have reserved one and a half hours and we start the podcast uh, or just before we start the podcast the guest says that they have to go in 45 minutes or in one hour so then that's what i have to work with so yeah i don't i definitely don't see myself actively working to shorten episodes i know that for some people they prefer that but um i think that when i that triathlon show is about covering episodes in in deep covering topics in detail so and yeah i i don't think that that shortening episodes of work to a specific duration goes hand in hand with that at all and and also i don't think that there's a majority of listeners want this and of course there are are my own selfish interests of wanting to learn as much as i can when i get the chance to talk with very smart people that i also uh that i also consider uh for obvious reasons and finally audio uh yeah this is something where in some episodes we've had uh issues they didn't come out great we'll work on a better system to to prevent that uh for sure and uh under this dislikes or improvement section i could also create a large number of categories for that were not dislikes but there were suggestions for improvements or just suggestions in general uh so things that people encouraged me to do basically the top four categories i categorize things here as well were one more practical Two, more frequent focus on age groupers. Three, more insight into my own coaching. And four, more variety. Uh, in parenthesis, not just interviewing coaches and researcher. So I think I can definitely fulfill all of these suggestions next year. That is my aim. Uh, I agree with, with all of those suggestions, really. Coming to question 19. How did you first find out about that draft show and start listening? Um, most responders couldn't remember which is understandable a lot of you have listened for a very long time and the podcast is almost six years old by now uh, 
it started at the end of February in 2017. Uh, so among the people that did remember, 41% found it by searching in their podcast app, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so on. 26% uh, found it on the internet, 11% so an internet search, Google or so, 11% through links on forums or articles online, 9% through social media or YouTube, and 9% through word of mouth, and 4% through other podcasts. So I don't really have any reference for what is typical or what is expected. So it's, this is not actionable data, but it will be interesting if I repeat this question, uh, let's say next year or in two years. Uh, but I, I do find it interesting and, and I will just make a kind request to, again, as I said, spread the word about that traffic show if you can. It does cost a fair amount to produce it as both audio editing and show notes is outsourced. And then there are podcast hosting costs, software costs. Uh, so yeah, having sponsors is the way that I have chosen to go to to cover the costs uh, rather than something like Patreon. Uh, as I think most of you probably have enough paid subscriptions already. Uh, that's at least how I see it when I listen to podcasts. So so why, why would I want the listeners to pay for the podcast when the sponsors can pay for it? Because it's a win-win-win because the sponsor also gets visibility. Um, of course, the sponsors only come back if there is a return on investment for them. So it is important to keep growing the podcast. So that continues to be the case. So again, if you can help grow the podcast in any way, uh, then and most importantly through word of mouth, that is much appreciated. Uh, question 20 is, have you ever or are you planning to use any scientific triathlon services or buy any of our products? Uh, 36% said yes, 6% said they'd purchased uh, products from sponsors, and 58% said no, but within that no, there were uh, a number, I don't have it in front of me, that said that they are considering it. Again, the selection bias caveat heavily applies to this question, but 36% I think is still a great number, uh, even if it's, even if for the end, when we look at the entire listener uh, listenership of the podcast it's probably <laughs> less much less than a tenth of that or at least less than a tenth of that uh, but but I, I still think it's is great i thank you very much for your support through buying training plans coaching services or participating in training camps and uh, and this is another reason coming back to the sponsors versus patreon another reason that i don't have a patreon is that there's enough people that find the free content that the podcast is so good that they do want to invest in the training plan or in coaching or in the training camp and uh, these services these products are things that myself and the scientific triathlon team are continuously putting in so much time and effort into so in the first place i don't even have any time to create any bonus content as such for patreon so so it would basically be like a donation subscription and uh, and i would much much rather focus on coaching and training plans and training camps and keep improving those uh, because there are clearly already a lot of athletes getting a, a, a massive value out of those services and products and that supports everything we do including the podcast so i know uh, a handful of people commented that they are happily coached or self-coached so they don't really have any interest in buying plants or coaching or training camps so they suggested that they would still want a donation or tip function but uh, to you guys i say just take the free content i'm more than happy for anybody who is in a good coaching relationship or are successfully self-coaching and if you still want to contribute just spread the word about the con the podcast and consider that your tip <laughs> and uh, that would be uh, my my answer to that um but yeah anyway really happy with how many people are are using the uh, the plans the coaching and so on and uh, hopefully that continues to be the case uh and we definitely work very hard to keep improving that the podcast 
to uh, it is very clearly my side hustle to the the coaching and 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 the, and the rest of the work at scientific triathlon so um so the main work is in the in the coaching and training plans and training camps arena question 21 what other ideas feedback or suggestions do you have uh, again i have noted everything down and categorized it into a few categories and these categories here were general podcast improvements guest suggestions topic suggestions and other and i'll just highlight a few interesting ones below uh, that's this is definitely not an exhaustive list and it's not to say that others were not equally interesting this is just a small sample i don't know how many i have on here maybe about 15 um so so there's a fair amount um but yeah, uh, first one, I would love to hear a really comprehensive episode bringing all of the research together, or maybe a research roundtable about different definitions of training zones, lactate thresholds, VO2, VLA max, uh, or, de or debunking VLA max and periodization. Uh, a second one, I really love how you tease out all the technical info behind the simple training methods, if that makes sense. For me, just reinforce the basics is what is most important. Science is, is fascinating, but all we need to do is get out there and train with some basic structure, keep it fine, and sustain it for the rest of our lives. I think what TTS really does for me is it motivates me. Another one, as above, on a second day later in the week, release an old hit show. Uh, another one is would be fun with an episode about different ways to get to Kona as an age grouper. What times do you need to set for different age groups? Any particular races to focus on? The legacy program, etc. With tips from scientific triathlon. And uh, I guess this could be expanded to Ironman World Championship. And, and this will probably make it uh, difficult to actually find. We won't know how time requirements etc will change with these changes now that we've had recently so so in that sense it will be difficult uh, because until now you've been able to reverse engineer it quite well based on historical data but anyway a uh, good suggestion uh, another one my favorite podcasts are coaches interviews uh, a mini series for self-coached athletes could be nice season scheduling periodization mesocycle specific workout ideas but i understand it's very specific to each individual i love the newsletter as well all right so here uh, an answer to this check out the old tts thursday episodes that i did these were basically this a mini series for self-coach athletes on important topics for self-coach athletes uh, you can find them in the archive in your podcast app or you can go to scientifictriathlon.com under the podcast menu tab uh, there's a tts thursday link and that will take you to all of the episodes check them out they are exactly that but i still think that some of these topics will be worth um, revisiting for sure but the tts first is already out there and coming back to uh, one of those previous previous suggestions maybe we do need that kind of old hit show <laughs> maybe maybe that would be useful uh, another one is something systematic that sets out your current thoughts on uh, best practice and the reasons why would be good another one personally i'm becoming busier and struggling to keep up to date on all episodes of all my preferred shows some of which have dropped away completely this is largely due to the ever-increasing mass of content available one thing i find hugely helpful are the newsletters and in particular the coaching thoughts the particular and in the the particular, the practical and insightful info in these has become as precious as the Q&A episodes, and it is now my favorite scientific triathlon resource. I have to admit that in some cases the newsletter is so useful that it delays my need to listen to the episode, which is clearly the opposite of what is desired, but is the reality of my personal circumstances. I have noticed that it is perhaps uh, being slightly modified recently to not become such a TLDR bite-sized replacement for the show, and that's probably a good thing, so I maintain my desire to quickly consume the latest episode 
episode. So yeah, that's uh, a great comment. And and I do want to give a shout out for the newsletter. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you're not signed up for the newsletter, you can get some additional thoughts and contents there. Uh, and uh, my thoughts on an episode, uh, especially on interviews, uh, where maybe I just stay a bit a bit more out of giving my opinion on it but in the newsletter i I can be a bit more open about it and uh and then also the coaching thoughts which is which is often unrelated to the episode but something that i've been thinking about recently and giving almost like a mini tts first day uh so yeah helpful information on some particular content so check out the newsletter if you aren't subscribed to it um another one is having a podcast of how you are setting up your training camps different levels of people what signs are you looking for in order to pull on pull back someone digging too big too deep of a hole how you're doing the food education etc how you think the camp went and what things should people take from it i have a few more ideas but i might be going in a completely different direction than you want to go just thinking what isn't out there and what people are looking for my comment here interesting idea and i might do a podcast uh, either before or after one of our upcoming training camps in 2023 check out our training camp from in mallorca which is at the end of march in 2023 it still has slots available the one in portugal is sold out uh, but for mallorca we still have slots available and uh, we did run this this camp in 2022 and it was amazing and mallorca is fantastic so so it's uh, well worth considering uh, good value for money as well uh, reasonable pricing for what you get so so check that out but yeah podcasts from the camps uh sorry for the little sales pitch there but the a podcast from uh, from before or after or both that could be interesting i'll think about that another uh one here i like coach interviews in general i think that episodes should be and in most cases they are targeted at one topic for example what is this coach doing differently this helps keep things interesting Although I realize it is a challenge after so many great episodes. Um, yeah, my comment here is that I, I agree that in a lot of cases it makes sense to focus on one topic. I think with some coaches, and especially the the really, let's say the really famous ones and the really well-known ones, like if you get a Dan Lorang on, you you don't know when that's going to happen next. So you want to ask them as much as you can and use that opportunity to ask them everything but but in in some in some cases, yeah, you it it could be useful to to focus focus in a bit on on one thing um another comment is i've noticed some of the big podcasters for example rich roll reusing the wealth of content they produced in the past years and rehashing in the form of ama best of the year or theme focused aggregation podcast episodes these are useful to drill into finding the best of what was covered you already have so much good content use it to a certain degree you came close to this with the whole polarized threshold debate a while back yeah good uh good suggestion uh really really like that Another one, spice it up, uh, spice it up a little bit, especially your first question. Uh, so I probably won't spice up the first question. <laughs> I like to have that be a simple one. Introduce yourself, but maybe uh, maybe a bit further into the interview, especially when the guest is starting to get really comfortable. That's that's the place to spice it up. I'll try that. Another one is coach interviews and tips for self-coached athletes are great. I'd love to see more swimming episodes. Uh, I, I like to do open water races between three to ten kilometers. Another one, I tune in for practical hands-on training advice that I can apply to myself. Another one is how to make your professional slash private life more efficient to make sure time-crunched age group triathletes keep sufficient time for training and racing. For example, on a daily basis, I spend lose too much time on my smartphone. 
another one is just once I'd like to hear about over 60, 60 plus age groupers. I know it's a small group, but you all will be here someday. Too many athletes drop out in fear of aging and would like to see that stop. Need more competition in my age group. So, I mean, we do have several of these episodes in the archives. I definitely think that in the TTS Thursday archives, there are uh, a lot. There are a lot in the Q&As as well. And uh, one interview that you should check out is uh, episode 176 with Bu Falk Hansen. Um, but yeah, for sure, this this is a topic that that is worth revisiting every every now and then. And this could be a good one for me to do together with the other scientific triathlon coaches. Perhaps I think that's a yeah that's a topic we we're dealing with on a daily basis. So so yeah, good suggestion. And uh, the final one here that I will list is what I what I would benefit from most at this point is help applying all of the theoretical knowledge I've gained from listening for the past few years. Doing on-air coaching consultations would be a cool way to do this. You could do a few archetypes of common cases as a solo episode or with another coach, or you could have a guest or just ask for submissions and do it like your Q&A format. So I like this suggestion and, and I like the kind of coaching consultations on air, I think that could be much more doable without any compromises, uh, the likes of what I mentioned in terms of actual full coaching relationships, of course, with prior cons- consent, if that is the case. But I think that that's something that is much more doable without, um, yeah, w- without yeah negative compromises. Uh, let's, let's put it like that. And, and also, yeah, on air Q and A's, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think that these are really cool suggestions. So yeah, that's a wrap. If you have listened this far, uh, I hope that you got something out of this episode. At the moment of recording, I'm not quite sure what kind of show notes we might have for this episode. I'm sure we'll make some kind of brief summary and maybe some figures, maybe not. I'll discuss with Bernard later if you're interesting. Uh, if you're interested, uh, check out the show notes on scientificcraftland.com if you want to see what they end up being like for today's episode. I will have a few links uh, to things that we mentioned here, the newsletter, the TTS Thursday uh, episode archives and the beginner tip episode archives and the Q&A episode archives so you all can go and have a look at those and uh, yeah did I say the newsletter if I didn't I'll have a link to, to sign up for the newsletter if you want to and uh, as a final call to action I mentioned it a few times already but if you can spread the word about the podcast uh, if you can share it with anybody that might be interested keep reposting episodes and stuff on social media all of that it continues to be an immense help and it really fundamental for the long-term sustainability of the podcast uh, finally big thanks to our sponsor sponsors roca that you can find on roca.com check out their wetsuits tri suits swimskins uh, goggles and exceptional sunglasses and prescription glasses uh, use the promo code that you can get on roca.com forward slash tts to get 20 percent off your entire roca order and do it before the end of the year uh, because after that it will probably not be working anymore and thank you to senate use the senate swim trainer to improve your technique power stamina and swim training consistency you can try the senate risk-free for up to 30 days and get the special senate slash tts bundle including the swim trainer and a number of senate training plans and on-demand workouts on senatewinter.com for slash tts thank you as always for listening keep training smart and keep loving traffic